just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today, I sat down with my friend, Abby Madden. Abby was born with congenital glaucoma, which then led on to a variety of different diagnoses for her eyes. She hasn't let this stop her though. She has traveled the world, founded a circus and dance company called Blindful, and most recently has been awarded Arts Access Australia's National Leadership Award. In today's episode, Abby talks us through her diagnoses, fills us in on a time she washed a contact lens down the drain, how her company Blindful came to be, and she has a message to everyone with 2020 vision. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get into the episode. I really hope you enjoy. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Now, first of all, I just want to say a huge congratulations to you, Abby, for getting the National Leadership Award for Arts Access Australia. Round of applause. Congratulations. You were recognized for your leadership as a dancer, a performer, a choreographer, and for being the founder and the artistic director of your inclusive dance circus company, Blindful. Mm-hmm. That's me. So it's very exciting. And everyone at home, I got to see the trophy before. <laughs> Abby is in Adelaide at the moment and we're doing this via the internet. I got to see the trophy, which is very extravagant and amazing. It is it is a statement. It is a very excellent piece of art. It's tactile, so it's... um. I'm not, I need to find out more information, but I'm not sure if it was made by an artist with disability, but it's definitely tactile sculpture. So it can be enjoyed by everyone, which is cool. It's amazing. I love it so much. Yeah, me too. And I was thinking when I was preparing for this interview, I was thinking all the way back to when we met and (laughs) how we've been friends ever since. And I just love it and I love you and I'm so happy that I get to share you with everyone who listens to That's So Chronic. Me too. I was only telling my partner the other day about it, about like our first introduction was you'd brought, you brought me a pizza. We'd never met before. (laughs) (laughs) Never met before, rocked up at your house. And so what we're going to chat about today is that you were born with glaucoma. It's congenital glaucoma. Is that pronounced right? Yep, that's it. Which has then led on to a whole range of other things with your eyes like nystagmus, astigmatism, cataracts, myopia. Yep. So shall we start all the way at the beginning? Yes. When did you or I actually assume your parents yeah. notice that the world that Abby was seeing when you were younger <laughs> wasn't exactly the world that everybody else was seeing? Yeah. I think, so myself and my younger sister, I have two sisters, um, the youngest one was also born with um, congenital glaucoma. So I can never remember who, the timeline of who was who, 
but I think I was you know a few days old and it was actually a nurse noticed because the way it presented was my eyes were cloudy so like you couldn't really see the color of my pupil it was just like you know the color of my iris and my pupil and everything it was yeah cloudy and they were like "Mm, that's not normal um so they checked it out and yeah they were congenital glaucoma and they operated on me when I was I think 10 days old or it might have been two weeks again I'm not sure between me and my sister but uh, they did a surgery called a trabectolectomy. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's right. I don't know. <laughs> could be, could be. You attacked it with confidence though and that's what I appreciate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's so fun to say like trabectolectomy. It just sounds outrageous. But I Googled what that means and what glaucoma is. So basically glaucoma is a buildup of pressure in your eyes and for me it was – a blocked canal of Schlem. Okay. So there's a canal in your eye called the canal of Schlem and that's blocked and that causes the buildup of pressure. And, yeah, so I was, like, super new to the world, like 10 days old probably, mm-hmm. and they did this operation and then that pretty much made everything okay and is the reason I have the amount of vision and I'm able to do all that I can today. I had to continue going for like under anesthetic for pressure checks because obviously like newborn baby, not going to just let lay there and let something be stuck in my eye. So yeah, until I was old enough and okay enough to have the like pressures checked while being awake, I'd go for under anesthetic for that and just a general check of everything. And that was, yeah, I think I got glasses at 18 months old and mum describes it as them putting the glasses on me and like me literally seeing the world for the first time and like you know when you see the videos or watch the videos of the you know like the deaf kids getting cochlear implants or being able to hear for the first time and you just see them like experience the world new again that's what mum said it was like for me just walking through the city and suddenly I could see so I'm just this like wide-eyed baby in a pram like oh my gosh the world (laughs) so different so bright that's so amazing yeah I was reading about glaucoma and how it's the fluid there's like this excess amount of fluid and that can be what's creating the pressure and that sometimes with those operations they're able to drain yeah the fluid but I think it might be when they're not successful or they're not able to do the operation that's when even more vision gets lost yeah later down the track yeah, from from my understanding and like all the appointments and like, you know, regular checkups and everything I've had, my eyes are pretty stable and should continue to be so. But like, obviously, that's why I go get checked all the time. But I should, I might, like, I haven't actually, one, probably out of fear, haven't gone into like in depth as to how my eyes are going to age or like how it's going to be, like whether they're going to degenerate faster or like quicker than other people. So, yeah, I haven't, I don't know how it's going to go from here, but at the moment they're stable and they have been for since, pretty much since the operation. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like with with glaucoma, because of the buildup of pressure, it just starts damaging the eye. Yeah. So the longer the pressure is building up, the more damage. Um, and that can present itself in like so many different ways mm-hmm. for different people. So for me, it caused like the um, nystagmus, astigmatism, myopia. 
So myopia is like misshapen lens and I can never remember. But one of them, either astigmatism or nystagmus, is like eye shaking. I think that's the nystagmus. Nystagmus, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's that. So like trying to read a sign and the whole sign is literally like moving from side to side. It's quite annoying most of the time. The best way like to describe it for people that obviously don't experience it is like, you know, when you're on a, a train or a bus and you're like, you you know, trees are going past or a fence and you pick a fence post and you follow that until you can't see it anymore and you pick the next one. So it's like hitting a point to focus on moving and refocusing but my eyes just doing that on its own so it's just like constantly shifting wow yeah it's quite annoying it's like it's definitely the most funny of the things with my eyes because like if I cover one eye the other one just like wobbles like crazy and sometimes when I'm really tired they just sort of shake and do their own thing so yeah it's quite funny (laughs) sometimes yeah and astigmatism correct me if I'm wrong but I have one of these. So I think it's when mm. your eye, normally your eyeball is perfectly round. Yeah. And then when the light comes in, it's able to reflect and absorb and take in everything normally. But mm. if you have astigmatism, your eyeball is sort of shaped more like a rugby ball. Yes. And so then when the light comes in, it's not actually able to absorb and reflect everything correctly or equally yeah so sometimes things get a little bit blurry oh yeah that's it 100 percent. and so these things the nystagmus stigmatism and myopia mm. do they think that that is all because of the congenital glaucoma yeah from my understanding um yeah it's been a really like this is sort of a tangent but like the last couple of years ever since basically I started blindfold I have taken my like disability and my eyes into my own hands because before that I was just you know it's it's something that's been with me my whole life like going to the eye specialist and having glasses and contacts and things has been my normal forever and the best way to describe my eye specialist who I had my entire life until recently because um she retired I'm so sad, so sad. Um, She, if anyone's seen the program Bones Mm -hmm. and um, the character Bones, Temperance Brennan is the character's name, and she's this like super intelligent scientist lady, but people skills are not amazing. So like she's very blunt and very like I'm talking about the science and I forget you have emotions kind of thing. That was my eye specialist, Dr. Casey. So she would often speak to my parents directly and not necessarily include me mm-hmm. in the conversation. Like I'd be there, but I was just sort of in the room. Yeah. And so it was all directed at my parents. So like, you know, she'd give them updates and she'd, she'd speak in eye specialist language and it would just go over my head. And I think it would go over my parents' heads too because she wouldn't make break it down to layman's terms. Yeah. But, you know, they'd kind of sit there and go, so is it good or is it not good? And then she'd be like, oh, no, she's fine. So for a very, very long time, I didn't know what was going on with my eyes. Like I knew I had glaucoma and my eyes wobbled and I wore contacts, glasses. I knew what my minus prescription was. But outside of that, not much. Like, so, you know, I Googled what a 
where the canal of Schlem is and figured that one out. And yeah, so from my understanding, I think it is linked to glaucoma. Like the the pressure just damages. So it's like, you know, yeah. a hurricane going through a house and it's like it wrecks everything. But then, you know, if you break it down specifically, you're like, oh, okay, I need new carpets because they're ripped up and I need to like yeah. strengthen the foundations here because that's broken. So yeah, it, like that's what I understand is that it did or is linked to everything. Yeah. And so you are a child, you get glasses at 18 months, and then you are becoming a child that goes to school. Now, were glasses cool by the time you went to school? No. Oh my gosh, no. Especially not my glasses. Because like, they were Coke bottles. Like they were the, you know, the comical thick glasses yeah you know that make your eyes really small and like bug-eyed you know they were the epitome of the kind of glasses that you'd make fun of people for wearing yeah and they did make fun of me for wearing them yeah and also like all the other things they tried to use for like to aid me in classes I just it was totally that mindset of different is bad right you don't want to be different you don't want to stand out in any way so Anytime they tried to help, you know, like I had this uh, desk which was designed like at, you know, like a 60-degree angle to put my books on so that I wasn't having to like lean over to get my eyes close to the page. Like the page was brought up towards me. Mm -hmm. But then obviously it was this thing that sat on my desk and no one else had one. So that's embarrassing. And then, you know, sitting close to the front of the class so I could see the whiteboard was uncool because all the cool kids sat at the back. Like, you know. Those, you know, those old things. And then, yeah, later in school I got braces. So I had glasses and braces. I was winning. (laughs) I was winning at life. And back in the 90s, these things were not as well made as they are now in 2021. Yeah, I used to have, there was such a limited choice of like cool glasses frames Mm -hmm. because my lenses were so thick. You know, they, the way they make the lenses, the, the bigger the frames or the wider or slimmer they are, the way it changes how they shape the lens mm-hmm. um, and everything. And so I was always, we were always trying to get me the thinnest, smallest lens possible. But like, yeah. you know, they were still maybe, I don't know, 20, 20 mil thick. Like they were quite thick. And um, I just used to, they were quite sharp on the edges because they were still refining how they made them and the number of times as a kid I walked into like screen doors and things and couldn't yeah. see because I couldn't see them and I just get like panda eyes but like cuts or bruises around my eyes from like wow you know walking into doors and it was fun then everything got covered in stickers so I could see where the door was which was <laughs> nice I love that yeah so when did you start dancing in all of this I'm pretty sure mum and dad threw me into a dance class at like three or four amazing yeah they're like god dance here you go child and just yeah it was ballet I think like I remember doing a concert and I was a duck or something um (laughs) and doing a and the Glenelg Christmas pageant at three or four like I don't I don't even remember but I, I don't know how long I lasted at that age I think I did that for a few years and then stopped and then you know, kept playing netball and, and everything. And then 
tried gymnastics, did gymnastics for a while. And then it was probably when I was 12 that I properly got involved with calisthenics, which is like not the workout. It's the weird novelty Australian sport where you have makeup and you look like a drag queen and you have clubs, but you don't juggle them. You like manipulate them. So swing them. So it's like poi, but with juggling clubs. I have never heard of this. It's amazing. Um, We have a routine where it's March. So you like march around and make patterns with all the people on stage. Wow. Rods, which is like this metal pole thing that's like really thin like metal pipe that you like spin and twist and make shapes with then there's a routine which is just pure strength and flexibility called exercises and then there's a novelty routine every year which is like either folk dance or um song and dance so it's like musical theater so you sing and dance and then um cali spec which is a bit of everything or it might be aesthetic or graceful girl which is like ballet kind of like long skirts pretty soft music and soft hands and everything so I started doing that when I was 12 and then did that for like eight or nine years and then through that I was like dancing is still really cool (laughs) was there ever anyone or did you ever think yourself I can't do this because I can't see like these other kids I don't think I ever had those thoughts I was like oh this is a bit tricky or I don't I it was more like oh I don't like this part of the game or I hate this part of something and I think growing up now I realize it's those were the bits that were challenging those were the bits where I was like oh I actually can't see what's happening Mm -hmm. or I actually don't know what's happening because I'm missing details because I can't see yeah like yeah so for me going you know on and off stage was also always terrifying because it's like bright lights to like darkness and you know that's tough for anyone Mm -hmm. but my pupils don't dilate at night time. So like I don't get light in at all at night. Okay. And so like I'm going off completely blind. Like I'm going off hoping that there is nothing in front of me for at least, yeah. you know, five seconds. And yeah, same with like being on stage. I got really good at knowing my environment and stuff like that. But yeah, it was definitely definitely things that in hindsight would would just because I couldn't see them yeah but yeah and eventually you learned how to drive <laughs> yeah can you please explain to me how that was for you oh this it was I it was something I never let myself think too much about because I didn't want to get too excited I was always reasonable and my parents were always like we don't know we don't know and like Dr Casey as well was always like don't know probably very likely you'll be fine but it got to me turning 16 and they're like, we'll make a call at your 16th birthday. Like, we, you know, see how your eyes are, see where we go. Um, and because I'd had the same eye specialist, like my whole life, she knew me, like she knew me and my eyes and like everything. And so it got to that, to turning 16 and she was like, you're good. You can do it. Yeah. You know, off you go. So like, you know, got my L's and everything and did all that. And like had my driving lessons, got my P's, my like restricted and whatever and, and everything. And I remember going to her with when I got off my L's and telling her and everything. And I got a hug from her like and she was not uh, like. Yeah, that's amazing for her. Yeah, like to get a hug. I was like, my heart, my eyes, I'm crying. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like it just meant so much like for, for for all of us, like for her to be able to, you know, know that I'm out there in the world being able to do that and everything and 
my parents knowing I have this independence and me knowing I have this independence. So, yeah, it was really, really epic. And, you know, we, we talked about, like, again, like things that would aid me, like, you know, bigger rear vision mirrors, like the extensions and stuff you can get. And, you know, knowing, like, they, she trusted me and I, and, and everything, knowing my eyes and knowing my limits. So, like, you know, night driving isn't amazing for yeah. me, so I don't tend to do it. Like, I will absolutely not do it and if I'm tired like it you know the whole road signs are shaking and I'll just wait or I'll like you know have a little nap or a stop or get someone else to drive like I'm not I'm not precious like I know my limits with it so yeah yeah it's it's amazing that it's something I can do so really stoked (laughs) I was researching on Spicsavers website actually about what the classification is for the term legally blind Mm -hmm. and in New Zealand and Australia it was saying that it is for someone who they can't see at six meters what someone with 20-20 vision would see at 60 meters Mm -hmm. and that the like rotation the degree of vision is 20 degrees as opposed to a normal person is 180 degrees Mm -hmm. I'm wondering do you fall in the category in Australia for being legally blind no I am like my vision is outside of that like I wouldn't be what a normal person's are but I'm I'd be closer to them than I would be to legally blind. So my license just says corrective lenses. So it just um, notes that I wear glasses or contact lenses to aid me in driving. So like I don't actually know what I score, you know, on those tests or anything. Like I really should actually start paying attention. (laughs) I just sit there and I like go through the motions. They're like read the letters and I'm like, oh, T-S-K-R, whatever. Yeah. It's just like it's just so the same but I really should actually note what's going on. What are the regular tests and checkups that you have to get and how frequent does this happen? Um, So every six months, as much as possible, I get my pressures tested. So it's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's like sort of the result of the glaucoma and everything. Um, So it's like, yeah, testing the pressure of your eye. And then if, depending on how long I've had my contact lenses or my um, glasses, like checking that they're still doing what they're supposed to or if they need to strengthen or lessen any of them there's this one called a field test which is like for your peripheral vision because that Mm -hmm. is something that you know like you tend to lose as you age as well I think um so that's like you stick your head in this big bowl thing and you're there's like lights that flash at various times and points and you click a button every time you see the light flash while you're staring like sort of at a cross in the middle so that one's fun <laughs> they're all fun they're all great but the one where they like burst the air into your eye do you get that one i don't know if they burst it i have this it's like they put a couple of drops in and then there's this like blue ring that like just comes and like touches your eyeball oh wow so they put numbing drops on i think and it just comes and like sits on your eye and then goes away. And it's just like yeah. so normal that I think if I, yeah, I think if someone else had to do it, they'd probably like, you know, be blinking and be like, Whoa. but, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm staring at the blue thing, the blue. I didn't realize it actually touched my eye because I like, you know, feel the pressure. And then it was only after I spoke to someone, they're like, oh, yeah, the numbing drops. And then that sits on your eye for a second. I was like, oh, that's so what that that's feeling what is. goes on. <laughs> yeah. 
in New Zealand when we get an eye test, well, I've had it every time I've had to go back to the optician. It's, they like, it's like a, I don't know what, I'm like, it's not good for podcasting, but I'm like trying to like make my hand into this thing. But then it's just like this bit of like ear they just put in your eye. And I'm so bad at it because I like know that it's coming and I'm like hoping (laughs) and like moving backwards away from the thing. So I don't know what that's for. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. It probably, I mean, yeah, I've never had one in New Zealand. Maybe I'll come and try. Yeah, you're more than welcome to bring <laughs> on that travel bubble. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I don't don't know. But then there's another, there's one more test which like tests or tries to photograph your optic nerve. But it's mm-hmm. it's really funny because a lot of the tests I can sort of do because like because there's so many different things wrong with my eyes the one thing will stop me from getting this one test, but then they like, they cancel, they like don't help each other. So like I'll get one test and, you know, to get the photograph of my, the nerve at the back of my eye, they can't do that because my eye shakes. I see. And it won't behave for that test, but then for other tests, like, you know, they can't see the back of my nerve because my pupils don't dilate. Mm -hmm. And like, so like my eyes are just quite tricky to, see what's going on because they you know just don't help you know how do you feel when you're waiting for the results every six months oh I don't I think because it's always been so consistent it doesn't I'm not it doesn't bother me like it's it's just another appointment for the day Mm -hmm. you know it's or just something I'm doing that day you know and it's always like oh yeah pressures are good things are the same um I think if anything started to change it would become different but for the longest time it's been a non-event kind of thing yeah it's interesting every time because like technology is slightly getting better or you know I've I've got a new eye specialist now so that's like at the moment it's just building that new relationship with that person so yeah it's the most frustrating thing is the one of the drops I have to put in to try and make my pupils dilate doesn't really do it yeah like my pupils are really really stubborn they're like tiny little pinpricks for pupils and they maybe increase 10 percent. but the drops that they then put in then make my eyes blurry when I'm wearing contact so like I just then can't really see at all so I'm always like I went to an appointment recently and forgot and like so drove myself there and then had the drops and I was like oh no (laughs) (laughs) I am stuck (laughs) So I had to come and get rescued by one of my sisters. She came like my one of my sisters dropped the other sister off and they picked me up and I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Throughout the course of your life since you've started uh, wearing glasses, has your script ever changed? Yeah, it got better. Oh wow. Like I sort of went went through puberty, I think, and like coming up to my driver's license and all that kind of stuff. It stabilized and got better I think because my eyes were always like you know they're growing they're changing they're figuring out where they're sort of going to sit and how they're going to be so it went from like I think I was like minus 16 minus 18 this is talking if you're short-sighted people will know like you know the minuses in their script um so I yeah I was like sitting around minus I I think I might have been minus 18 at one point but like definitely minus 16 minus 15 I think now I'm like minus 12. So like it's, yeah, it's improved and my pressure has stayed the same and gotten better, I think, and like, and then stayed the same. So yeah, it's, 
it's not too bad it's pretty good what do you have to do every morning when you wake up to be able to see for the day i have to clean my contacts and um stick them in my eyes i stubbornly have decided that i won't don't wear glasses because i've got such an old pair i really need to actually go and get new glasses because at the moment i take my contacts out at night and i just am you know essentially like very low vision Mm -hmm. um until i put them in again um so that when i take them out it's like everything's blurry my depth perception kind of goes it's not the worst but it's not great um and like yeah I have to have things you know maybe five centimeters away from my face to see them clearly like when it's dark I can't see anything it's just yeah I sort of hand out guide myself around the house um it's fine when I'm I'm somewhere I know because obviously you well I learn the surroundings so I remember that you know I think I'm hyper aware all the time so that when I take my contacts out turn the lights off I can get around like I remember that oh I had that cup on the corner of that coffee table so like Mm -hmm. don't cut that short but yeah so then in the mornings I clean my contacts like I used to my mum used to clean my contacts and then I started she's like if you're a grown-up you've got to do it yourself and I was like oh fair enough (laughs) so I do that so it's like I have because my my contact lenses are glass lenses so that's actually like a tiny little piece of glass wow they're called rigid glass permeable lenses and they're like not as big as my iris so like you can see them you know if you're looking at my eyes closely you can see them sort of sitting just off like not covering the whole eye iris and so they need to be cleaned every day and so I have to take them in and out at night I can't sleep in them at all or anything because it just doesn't feel very good yeah so like in the mornings like I'll, I'll have them in a solution overnight like a conditioning sort of solution and then in the mornings I've got this like really intense cleaner that I like clean them with so I put it put contact in my hand give it a squeeze and like sit there and like squeak it and rub it and you know it just it's just like (laughs) every morning it's great and then give it a rinse I you know you're supposed to rinse them with saline but I just rinse them with water because otherwise I'm going through so much saline and eh, water's fine yeah and then I put the conditioning solution on again and then just stick them in my eye it's it's a fun game because it's always like whenever I go somewhere new or different I'm always like oh I wonder what the plug situation in the basin's like you know touch wood I have only lost a contact twice oh wow down the drain in my (laughs) whole entire ever and one of them was like not that long ago I um we had in our basin, we we had one of those really annoying plugs where you like push it and it like clicks in and oh, then you have yes. to push it and it pops out again and they never work. We've got one of those. Yeah, they never work. Never a good time. And it just wasn't staying shut. So like we took the plug bit out. So it was just like the open drain. And like I was tempting fate 100%. For a couple of weeks, I was just like cleaning it, you know, without a plug or anything there. I was like, I'm fine. Like, because I, I have my hand and then I have the the hand that's holding or cleaning the contact with my um, pointer finger and my thumb and I sort of sit that hand that's cleaning it in the palm of the other hand so that it's like it's sitting in a little dish of my hand under the tap mm-hmm. so that, you know, if I let go of it, it's sitting in my hand. But I somehow, I don't even know, I think I must have thought I put my contact in and I didn't and it was still on my finger and I've washed my hands and so it's just gone down the drain and I've just... Yeah, I turned to my partner and was like, I've washed my contact down the drain. And he's a handy, handy fella. So he 
pulled apart the sink and <laughs> no joke it was sitting in the u-bend it had like it was disgusting like you know warning for anyone that's grossed out by hair and stuff but there was like a clump of hair and build up and stuff and it was just like having a little nestle there and so yeah we um we got it we rescued it and that also happened the the first time I ever washed a contact down the drain my mum like pulled the sink apart and it was just by some miracle like hanging on the side of the pipe so yeah it's, it's pretty fun it's a good time please tell me you used saline to clean it after it was oh, in the drain <laughs> I no nah, just spit on it give it a little rub, rub it in. no I um I've got a, a protein cleaner that I use once a week right. which is like um, because like yeah because they're glass lenses they're like this you know solid surface that the that all the protein and gunk in your eyes can live on um so once a week I do this progen clean thing which is it literally smells like bleach wow and it's like two bottles one says a one says b and I, and you just like put put them in that and it starts off clear and then like the next day it's yellow so it's like pulled off all the protein Whoa. and gross stuff but it literally smells like chlorine or bleach and it's like mm, it's definitely doing something so I cleaned it in that gave them both a solid scrub so with the contact lenses glasses the saline the conditioning treatment this cleaner product mm. and all of your six monthly tests how does it work in Australia in terms of paying for all of that? Um, it's all, I pay for it all pretty much. Um, yeah. Because because of the condition of my eyes, I, it was just like I could go through the public system but, and I probably will look into it now that I'm sort of in Adelaide and a bit more established because for a long time I was, you know, living the nomadic travelling circus life mm -hmm. but yeah I I pay for it all because like the the contact solution and stuff you can just get from a chemist it's not specialized or anything so that that I just do I don't have private health insurance so I can't claim on that and I don't think the level of what I need and the tests I have to get are covered under that as well like I think it's just your standard sort of you know basic optometry tests mm -hmm. and things yeah so it's always been something that I also didn't know about because like you know my parents just always did but now that I'm a big big grown-up I do it myself and I'm like oh my gosh it's so expensive how much would a checkup be every six months for you then it's probably like 200 or so thereabouts like with all the tests and stuff included there's some tests that like mum taught me to say no to because they just don't work for my eyes like there's no point yep in paying for the test because they you can't get any information from them so yeah it's a yeah at least 200 or so but some of that I think it's covered on Medicare which yeah I, I really don't know but I know that my contact lenses are about $200 each mm -hmm. like our contact lens but they last for years yeah. so like so $400 for a pair and that will last me like two or three years. I think I've actually got the ones in I have right now that I've had for maybe like too long, like four or five years <laughs> or more. So I'm definitely due for a new pair, but they last, yes. like they're glass lenses. And so they're just like, yeah, we're cool. We're doing, still doing our stuff. I remember a couple of years ago, we were 
just chatting and you asked me how I cope with the invisibleness of having MS or having a disability that nobody can see. Mm-hmm. I would like to ask you that question now. How do you find having something that is actually you've been through a lot and you are constantly going back into the specialist to get these checkups and I'm wondering how you cope with the fact that if someone looked at you no one would know that anything was happening for you. Hmm. I had to look like my relationship with that has only recently changed like I used to like the second I got contact lenses and couldn't be seen as being different because I wasn't wearing glasses like something obvious that people would go oh your eyes are not great yeah the second I had contact lenses I was just like oh my gosh this is amazing people can't tell anymore so like I loved the being invisible and everything and I loved it until recently I think because I realized it meant that even people that know me and have known me for a long time know what's up with my eyes they forget like they don't have that sort of reminder there so like when I ask for help they're like oh can it's just there like can't you see it or can't you read it and it's like no (laughs) hence why I'm asking for help I I don't know even now I'm still have I'm conflicted that I like that there isn't anything obvious but also it's hard. It, I feel like people don't believe me when I explain yeah. or when I'm like, when I ask for help, they're like, yeah, but, but you can, it's just it. Can't you see? I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, but your eyes look fine. Like you can't even tell. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> cause I get, I, I do get a lot of comments on my eyes. Like, cause they are quite unique in that they're really, my iris is really big. My pupils really small and they're a very, very dark, dark blue. So they almost look black a lot of the time. Um, so like, you know, random people and strangers will often comment on my eyes and be like, oh, your eyes are amazing. They're so unique. They're so amazing. Like, they're so cool. And like, sometimes depending on what mood I'm in and how savage I feel, you know, I'll be like, yeah, they're really cool. Just don't work properly. And they'll be like, ah, and then walk away because they're uncomfortable and don't know what to say. So yeah, it's, it's often funny that they're the thing that people are most aware of, like when they mm-hmm. meet me, but don't often realize what it means so like I'm learning to now make it not invisible so when someone does say something about my eyes like depending on you if I have time for a chat or not or whatever I'll use that as a way of being like yeah they're pretty cool but like you know they don't work as well because of you know Bourne's glaucoma and stuff so it's I'm now using it as a way of talking about it and making it not so invisible because yeah I realized that I've denied myself so much help and so much assistance for being stubborn and wanting to be invisible yeah so it's definitely not benefited me but I'm still coming to terms with how to tell people and how to like make it so they they do believe me or understand me because I think it's this whole thing of because people can't see it they're they're skeptical yeah like you know I don't know I don't know if you find that as well whether that people don't I don't know yeah they don't take you seriously or they're like yeah okay but you look fine like it's such a such a um ingrained thing in society for disability to be obvious yeah I think I know that I'm not alone in 
thinking sometimes or just wishing that I just had crutches and a broken leg and then Mm. maybe everyone would just know what to do with me (laughs) yeah it's so funny like though I don't know if you've noticed this thing and oftentimes you'll speak to people who have you know like a physical aid like a wheelchair or crutches and stuff and people talk to them like this it's like I can still hear you like you know some people might not you know there are some people who are fully like you know um non-verbal and things like that or you know don't or who can't hear but like a lot of the time people just go oh they're in a wheelchair they must be like completely unable for anything so I will talk to them like this and it's like oh my gosh ridiculous you know like people shouting at someone who's blind it's like I can hear you like (laughs) oh my gosh yeah it's it's quite quite amazing people's misconceptions and things is there anything that you wish someone with 2020 vision knew about someone who didn't or just in life hmm hmm well that's a good one look after your eyes like wear sunnies you know rest them don't you don't need to like strain them unnecessarily like oh my god there are so many cool sunglasses just wear them yeah yeah and just be aware that there are people that don't have that so you know if you see someone like struggling to read a sign at a cafe because they're always impossibly small and like you know up on the wall above the register and stuff and most people I think genuinely struggle reading them but if you see someone struggling be like oh you know is there anything you need a hand with or like if you if you're someone who works in hospo offer someone a, a physical menu that would be that would be it. I don't I, yeah there's like there's so many things oh my biggest peeve and this is just obviously me personally and doesn't reflect anyone else with like who are, who's blind or low vision but I really think people need to stop describing themselves as blind or like using that as a a flippant comment of like oh sorry like I'm so blind like I didn't even see like didn't even notice it's like bruh whoever you are you are not yep. like I guarantee you would know if you are and you wouldn't be just being like haha I'm blind haha yep. you know like it's it's not something to describe someone who's got like oh you know I'm kind of short-sighted or I need reading glasses like if you need reading glasses you are not blind yeah. like if that is <laughs> the only aid you need for your vision like you are misled you have no place to use that word um like I don't I very much don't describe myself as blind Mm -hmm. like I would say I have low vision so yeah if people using that or you know unless yeah unless you've read the, the the description of what legally blind is it's not for you to use yeah it's not you know so that would be that would be something for someone who has 2020 vision to know or to start thinking about. Yeah. Oh, it does my head in. It really does. It's such a good reminder for everybody listening, isn't it? Mm. Tell us, to conclude, tell us about your circus and dance company, Blindful, and what maybe we have in store for 2021. <laughs> yeah, so I started Blindful when I was living in the UK and I was working for a dance company over there called Pony Dance. They still sort of exist, I think. I think Cleone, the artistic director, has gone off in different tangents and made it made it something else. But, um, yeah, so I was working for them 
and it wasn't a full-time gig it was sort of performance based but you know seasonal or like gig based so Mm -hmm. whenever something came up so I had a lot of free time and I was working a lot with like musicians and um, other performing artists and stuff in Belfast which um, in Northern Ireland which is where I was living and I think yeah someone introduced me to a adults with learning disabilities group called Creating Connections and I I initially wanted to approach dance and circus in a way that you know my focus was it being accessible to people that didn't have the confidence to do dance and that was like you know from someone you know like a a mum with three kids who's like oh I'm too shy or I just you know a dance class is a very scary uncomfortable thing for me and I was like how can I get those people dancing or moving or engaged so it didn't really come from a accessibility point of view as such it was more like how can I include more people and then I got like arts funding from the government over there which was outrageous and (laughs) can we get some of that (laughs) oh my gosh I wish I could bring it back with me it was was so good yeah so I actually yeah I don't even know I think I just was like oh well I don't have any ideas but like I really had started to wonder how much my eyes had affected me as a performer I was like oh I wonder if like you know I would have done better in that audition if I could have been closer and seen the movement better and been more confident with it or like I wonder if I learn differently or if I'm like actually physically challenged because of my eyes because like you know your eyes and your ears are connected so you've got that like equilibrium and that um oh what's the word that that relationship between your inner ear and your eye oh yeah yeah, yeah. that keeps you balanced essentially so like if any of those are off I was like I wonder if that's why I always fall over and stuff like I'm pretty clumsy for someone who dances and does circus and I you know wondered if it was because of that so I started looking into my own experiences and yeah started working I was seeing an eye specialist over there and actually just started asking him questions and was like can you tell me about my eyes like what does it mean like and how could I get someone to experience what I experience and we talked about these all these different glasses that you can get that you know block out the left side of each eye but you can see normally because of the way your brain and eye connection is and how it takes in information and you know how I could make someone experience nystagmus and all this stuff so yeah like I started blindfold over there and I had a small project doing that and then worked yeah worked with the creating connections the adults with learning disabilities and got them involved and did a little project with them so like you know that was accessibility but not vision and then yeah I moved back to Australia and I sort of didn't do much for a little while but then had an idea of like yeah I wonder how my sight has limited or enhanced what I can do physically like with dancing and mm-hmm. circus and everything and I spoke to a couple of other performers um, Ryan Darwin who's a circus artist from New Zealand and Roman Hassanen who's a dancer and parkour and I think he's doing a bit of circus and stuff now um, based in Sydney so but we were all in Melbourne at the time and like chatted to these guys and they were like, oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like we'd be keen. So we did a little snippet for f- performance at Gasworks, which is this uh, little performance platform in Melbourne and got through. It's like a competition and we got through to the final and did really well and had like heaps of comments and feedback on it and then turned it into a full show, which was called My Sight, Their Sight. And it was looking at doing things with and without sight as performers and if how we could challenge ourselves with that 
we use blindfolds and like I in you know doing a lot more work with people who are blind or low vision now I realize the problems with that with like you know people using blindfolds as a tool of like oh you're blind because that's not often the case like blindness and low vision presents itself in like so many different ways so like to just like completely black out your eyes is not a good representation so like I've learned that learned that lesson so yeah I guess the focus and stuff now is working I started working with a company called Description Victoria Mm -hmm. which is audio description which hopefully like people know and if they don't it's it's the service used for people who are blind or low vision and it describes what's happening at an event or a a performance or like theatre and yeah it's getting better with dance and circus but yeah they'll they'll describe the costumes and the people and the performers and the set and then describe what's happening in the show so there's a company called Description Victoria that I started working with in Melbourne and we're still looking at how how to make dance and circus more accessible because they are so inherently visual. Yeah. Like you sit and you watch a performance. You're a, like a voyeur to a performance. They're getting more interactive, but often you the only senses you have are your eyes and your ears. And, you know, the movement is often so foreign that, like how do you half the time it's like how do you even describe the movement that's happening like you talk to a dancer and if you had to ask them to describe it they would struggle yeah so it's like how are you then trying to get someone who's trying to experience the performance to understand what's happening that's my focus at the moment and it's tricky and like it's a big challenge because I think dance circus are definitely the last sort of areas that are picking up on the accessibility bandwagon they're they're getting there but that's that's really what I want to do with blindfold so I haven't got anything at this stage but with the um, national leadership award it's you know a bit of funding and a bit of support to actually start doing something so I'm hoping yeah I'm hoping to have a show for 2021 and perform that however it can be done with the current situation so it might be you know an an online thing that's audio described and closed captioned and and everything or it might be like an in in person live performance which would be awesome too but yeah it's it's very early days for this year and for blindfold but definitely definitely performing because I miss it so much so yeah I am so excited to see what you and what blindfold have coming up for 2021 and if you're listening at home and you are interested you can find Abby and blindful on Instagram. It's at blindful with two eyes. Yes. <laughs> Someone had blindful already and I'm so annoyed because I don't think they use it. But anyway. Classic. <laughs> yeah. I could talk to you for hours. So thank you so, so much for sharing your time and your story with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been epic. Like I'm, I remember you telling me about starting this podcast and so like to see it be so successful and so wonderful and to now be on it, it's just, it's amazing. I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Thank you. And thank you for listening to another episode of That's So Chronic. If you want to find out more about Abby, Blindful, or anything we've talked about in this episode, you can find it in the show notes or send me a message. I'm at That's So Chronic on Instagram. 
If you've been enjoying That So Chronic and you want to support the podcast even more, the best way to do that is to share the episodes with everyone you know. Take a picture or a screenshot of you listening and tag us on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify and leave a review. You're really helping these interviews get to as many ears as possible so we can hopefully spread awareness and more importantly, hope.